Welcome to the Mindful Dietitian interview series. I'm Fiona Sutherland, dietitian from Melbourne, Australia and director of the Mindful Dietitian. Please join me as I interview dietitians from all over the world who are experts in health at every size, the non-diet approach and mindfulness-based practice. These are a collection of interviews by a dietitian for dietitians and nutritionists so that we can build a strong community of wonderful professionals who share an inclusive vision of well-being for everybody in everybody. Thanks so much for joining me. Hi everyone, welcome back to the Mindful Dietitian interview series. You know, I have the most enormous pleasure meeting some really exceptional people who do incredible things in the world. And this week I was very fortunate to be speaking with Dr. Anita Johnson, who is a clinical psychologist based in Hawaii, and she specializes in eating disorder healing. And most importantly, she is a storyteller, supervisor, and author of Eating in the Light of the Moon, How Women Can Transform Their Relationships with Food Through Myth metaphor and storytelling. Look, Anita is just, she's such an incredible person. And even I was speaking to her on the other side of the world and she she has this beautiful, light sense of humor. She laughs so easily um, and her wisdom is absolutely quite extraordinary. So if you have a piece of pen, a piece of pen, <laughs> a uh, paper, piece of paper and a pen handy, then I would suggest that you keep it right next to you for this because the look, the, the, the wisdom that Anita has is, is quite extraordinary. Um, and she's, she's well known not only as an author, but also as a speaker. Uh, she presents at numerous conferences and workshops and apparently she uh, hosts retreats that are quite infamous. Uh, you know, apparently next year it's going to be in Hawaii and I told her that um, I'll be very offended if I don't get an invite to it. So look forward to that. So a little bit more about Anita. She's been working in the field of women's issues for over 35 years and is currently the clinical director of iPhono Hawaii, which has um, um, an outpatient eating disorder program. So honestly, you know, if, if you have any patients or clients who are wanting to sit under palm trees and listen to big waves crashing in Maui as they are surrounded by amazing people who are, um, you know, really committed to helping them heal then I couldn't recommend this program enough. I did meet Anita and her staff last year at the Binge Eating Disorder Conference in San Francisco, and they are the most lovely, wonderful, compassionate, kind-hearted people. So I can thoroughly recommend them and their program. Uh, so as you will know, Anita, not only the author of Light in the, eating in the Light of the Moon, but also the co-creator of what's called Light of the Moon Cafe, which is an interactive e-course, women's circle and online workbook for uh, eating in the Light of the Moon. And lucky us, Anita has given all listeners a discount uh, for her Light of the Moon Cafe e-course, which you'll, you'll hear um, her speak about during this interview. And there is also uh, a link uh, in the in the cafe website, um, which you can follow for a discount to her course. So uh, yeah, as well as, as speaking and uh, running 
the outpatient program, Anisha provides individual consultations online and in person and you know, travels extensively. Um, she is definitely most well known for integrating metaphor and storytelling into her training as a clinical psychologist to explain the complex issues that underlie struggles with eating, weight and body image. I just I loved this interview with Anita and afterwards, um, you know, I was really left with this beautiful, warm sense of, of calm and almost healing myself. Really, she is, um, she's quite an extraordinary person and has had many, many very, very interesting life experiences. Um, so her, her interview with Christy Harrison actually on Food Psych Podcast might give you a bit of background into Anita's upbringing and her, her life so far, which I found really extraordinarily interesting. So you might like to go back and hear a little bit about Anita's life as well. Um, for those of you who are new to The Mindful Dietitian, welcome. Uh, for, uh, for dietitians, there's our website, which is www.themindfuldietitian.com.au. There you'll find lots of resources, links, events, workshops, everything for dietitians who are interested in mindfulness, mindful eating, non-diet approach, health at every size, and healing from eating disorders. So we've got a really amazing Facebook group, um, The Mindful Dietitian. It's a closed group where we can discuss um, all kinds of issues and, and share resources and yeah we're over 2,000 strong now so it's a wonderful place where we can all share yeah we can all share together so I really hope you you enjoy this interview with uh, Dr. Anita Johnson it really was special and yeah hope you enjoy it bye Welcome back, Mindful Dietitians, to the interview series. Today, I am absolutely thrilled to be chatting with the absolutely wonderful Anita Johnson, who you'll probably be most familiar with as author of Eating in the Light of the Moon. So welcome, Anita. It's so great to have you here. Oh, I'm thrilled to be here. So Anita, tell us a little bit about Eating in the Light of the Moon and how that came to be. Oh my, <laughs> it's a, a long, long <laughs> because I wrote that book, ooh, 19, it was first published in 1996, mm -hmm. but it, it really took me 10 years to write it. So <laughs> it's, it's been a long time in the making mm -hmm. and how it, how it came about, um, the actual book came about, I never considered myself much of a writer, but I had clients that I was working with and I would be talking to them about certain concepts and they would say, well, where can I read more about that? And I go, oh, it's not written yet. Mm. But, so I thought I would write a little booklet for my clients. And, um, you know, as time went on, that booklet, you know, became a book. And, and I, I like to say, though, that I didn't really write that book. It wrote me. Mm. And... Um, so it, it just came out of my experiences with clients that wanted to know more. And then, then uh, my editor said, well, they, they wanted more stories in it. And I thought, oh, because I was using some stories with my clients. That's how I, that's how I learned to communicate some complex uh, concepts. My, my children went to uh, Waldorf schools, which I think you call them Steiner schools. That's right. Yes. And, yep. and, uh, a lot of the concepts 
that they were learning were taught in story form. And my children would come home and tell me stories about Prince division and Prince multiplication. And I went, oh my gosh, if I had learned math that way, I'd probably know my times tables today. <laughs> <laughs> so I started using that approach with my clients. And because, you know, when you're working with um, eating difficulties, whether it's a full-blown eating disorder or disordered eating or, or yo-yo dieting or whatever is going on, it's really hard to um, explain uh, some of the complex issues that are involved. And so I discovered that, oh, I could use a story. I could use a metaphor. And um, they would get it. I would see... I would see the lights go on in their eyes. Um, nowadays, with all the neuroscience, we, we know exactly what's going on in the brain when that happens, when they make those, those connections. Um, in fact, there's a, there's a part of the brain that actually lights up and sends out gamma waves, which is the highest electrical frequency in the brain. So that's exciting mm -hmm. for me. But so as I, you know, as I just did it more and more, then I needed to get it into um, a book form. So, you know, it took me 10 years because, you know, I had children and I had a private practice. And, you know, so I just, whenever I had the opportunity and the ideas would come to me or more often than not, it came as a result of um, sessions I was having with clients and I go, Oh, this would be a good piece. I'm going to put this in. So that it was pretty organic in its development. Yeah, that's fascinating how you were, how it, it felt not only organic, but it felt like a, like a symbiotic relationship that you were bringing, you were open to being creative with how people were um, understanding their own experiences and then thinking of ways about how that could become maybe a metaphor or a story mm -hmm. to then uh, tell to other people. Mm -hmm. Well, and, and actually I, think in metaphoric terms. So, yeah. you know, that's why I'm not an accountant. <laughs> you know, <I'm> <laughs> Life kind of pointed me in this direction. But um, so, so I, I'm a storyteller and, and I grew up in, in uh, my culture with stories and teaching stories. And, uh, but as a psychologist, I'm a trained story listener. So in the mm. beginning, Remember, this was back in the very early 1980s, and um, there was not much written about eating disorders then, and so I was just having to figure it out, what was going on with all these girls and women that came in all shapes and sizes and all ethnicities and all ages, you know, why were they struggling uh, with eating and food and weight and, and, you know, what's going on here? And so I just got as curious as I could and listened to their stories. And then as I would listen to their stories, I would be, it would remind me of a, of a, another story. And then I would give that back to them and they go, yes, that's exactly how it is. So I just started using metaphors in that way. And it, it seemed to help them understand, you know, just like little things like um, uh, the idea that whatever your struggle is, whether it's an, you know, a binging and purging or compulsive eating or, or restricting, that those urges to participate in whatever the behavior happens to be are like the red light that goes on in your car mm -hmm. to tell you yes. you need gas and so you know i would say well imagine you had a brand new car and and you're so excited and you've never had a car before and 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 you're you know driving around in your new car and you love everything about it except 
for those stupid red lights that go on in the dash. And, and so you go back to the car dealership and you say, I love, love my car, but these lights, they're really annoying. Can you, can you disconnect them? And the dealer says, well, sure, I could disconnect them. But um, if I disconnect this one here, you're going to run out of fuel and be stranded in the middle of nowhere. And then, and if I disconnect this one, well, you're going to uh, uh, run out of oil and burn up your engine. Are you sure you want those lights disconnected? So the idea being that those urges are signals that there's something else going on that needs to be attended to. And it may be something physiological. Maybe you've gone too long without eating. Or it may be something psychological. There's a feeling um, or an a, a intuition that's trying to come into your awareness that may be a little scary or overwhelming so that you're trying to ignore it by food behaviors. So introducing the idea that there's meaning to the struggle. Mm-hmm. And, and for most individuals, um, that's a new thought. You know, they, they think that there's something wrong with them, that they're broken, they're damaged in some way. And, or they might think, well, my life is just fabulous. I just got this little eat problem with food and eating. Mm-hmm. And so they don't realize that there's meaning, profound meaning in what they're doing with food. And once they can start to get a handle with of that, um, it, it's, it's amazing what you can learn about yourself and your life and how you want things to be. So, so that for me is exciting. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's really exciting. And, and uh, the mm-hmm. reason that I adore your work so much is because it's meant a lot to me. And it's, and it's mm-hmm. really um, invited me to be brave with, you know, uh-huh. with uh-huh. thinking about how I can, ex- how I can yeah. reflect people's experience. And uh, yeah. it's funny, and I must share with you, Anita, I had uh-huh. a, a couple of clients who I've been seeing uh-huh. for, a, for quite a long time now. Mm-hmm. And um, they know the point at which I'm just about to launch into <laughs> a story because I think it sounds something like, so what you're saying is that it's like, <laughs> and there's this eye roll that happens. <laughs> so we yeah. laugh about it because yeah. I think yeah. I'm uh, famous or maybe infamous for a good story. <laughs> um, so, so what you're explaining really, Anita, is that it's a powerful shame reduction strategy perhaps. Yeah, that's one piece of it. Mm -hmm. Um, There is some relief in discovering there's meaning that's not what you thought the meaning was. Mm -hmm. Um, But it goes beyond that. You know, it it really um, opens doors and windows and ways of looking at things that, that, you know, had never even been considered before. So, So new pathways open up, new ways of being. Um, I, and I really believe that when someone um, goes through the recovery process, they don't go back into the life they, they came from. They step into a world beyond their wildest dreams because the skill set that one, one develops in order to recover, um, it, 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 it expands their, their life exponentially. And so long after the eating disorder is gone, and I do believe in total, complete recovery, recovered, long after the eating disorder is gone, um, uh, there's, they have this skill set that's going to serve them the rest of their lives. Yes. So it mm-hmm. makes it all worthwhile because mm-hmm. it, it's a difficult process. So it gives meaning to their struggle, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. You know, that they're able mm-hmm. to um, mm-hmm. able to rise up and beyond right. 
Right. And then, and then start to see the meaning elsewhere. So for, you know, for example, it's, it's a bit like blasphemy to say this, but I don't really believe in eating disorders any longer. Um, I, I, I believe that they're really more like life difficulties because it's a pattern. It's so it looks like the pattern, you know, the problem is simply around food or eating or whatever. But really when you look at the pattern and you decode what those, those eating behaviors, you start to see that pattern everywhere. So for example, if someone restricts their food, that's not the only thing they're restricting. They're restricting new experiences. They're restricting their emotions. They're restricting um, their sexuality. They're restricting uh, intimacy. They're always putting themselves on restriction. And you start to see when they start to look at that particular behavior metaphorically, they see the pattern everywhere. And so then they can, they can address those things as well. And, mm-hmm. and if somebody is binging and purging, they're not just doing it with food. They're doing it with all sorts of things. They might enter a relationship and, and fall head over heels in love. And then the next day go, Oh my God, what was I even thinking? Mm-hmm. Or they might, they might take a ton of classes and sign up and, and get overwhelmed and drop out. Or they might take on way too many projects and then just give up on everything. Or you, you see that binge purge process taking in more than you can assimilate at a given time and then thinking you have to uh, get rid of it starts to show up all over the place. Once you can start to see it in that light. And, and someone who is binge eating, for example, you know, you, you'll see the, the theme of scarcity everywhere. there's not enough. There's not enough coffee. There's not enough time. There's not enough attention. There's not that not enough theme is once you start to tackle that, then, then, you know, things change significantly. I love that. I'm just sitting here nodding and, um, (laughs) you know, and, and this turns up, this can turn up a bit in our lives too, can't it, Anita? You know, oh, just, absolutely. You know? It's not. It's so not us and them. It's not like no, no. oh, there's all those weird people with eating foods, and then there's <laughs> us. You know, it's like mm-hmm. no, no. We all do this. It's simply a matter uh, of the degree to which we do it. Mm-hmm. So you know, once you learn how to decode um, what's going on with you and food, it, it, it's useful for anybody because we all do it. So yeah. when I was in school, uh, I would. Um, find myself if I was preparing for an exam or, or trying to write an essay, I was in front of that fridge nonstop. Mm-hmm. Now, the, the truth was I wasn't physically hungry, but I had a lot of performance anxiety going on. Mm-hmm. So I was trying to trick myself into thinking that I was hungry instead of freaked out. Yes. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So we, we, we do this, um, you know, uh, all the time. And it's just a matter of building your repertoire for handling stress so that if you do do it with eating and food, that's just one possibility. And it isn't the one trick go-to pony that you, you know, you go to that all the time. Yeah. I love that expression you just use is it building your, your repertoire because often yeah. people, they, then they've, not ready to let go of things until they feel like they've got a safe haven. Right. And you know what? They ought not to. 
Um, yeah. You know, that's why I that's why I came up with the metaphor of the log. The log. Uh, I love the log. Could you? Because some some people maybe who are listening haven't mm-hmm. heard of the log. Mm-hmm. It's pro- would you say it's probably the most yeah. well known? Yeah. 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 Okay. yeah. yeah. It's it's now my favorite. You know, yes. because I've heard from people. I get emails from all over the world from people saying, "Oh, this really helped me mm-hmm. you know, shift and see things differently," which is really my very favorite thing to do. So, um, I'm happy to tell that story because it begins with your imagination, and and imagination is really an important part, I think, of the recovery process. Because if you look around the room that you're in right now, there's nothing in that room that isn't there because somebody hadn't first imagined it Mm -hmm. right so we we've you know we demean imagination and just and we say things like oh it's all in your imagination as though that's not valuable so so with these metaphors you begin with um your imagination and imagine you're on the banks of a, a raging river it's pouring down rain and you slip and you fall in and you're drowning you're getting pulled down through the rapids and along comes a big log and you grab on and the log saves your life. It keeps you from drowning in these turbulent waters. And eventually it carries you to a place in the river where the water is calm. And there you can see the riverbanks and you try to swim, but you can't get there because you're holding onto the log. So, so the idea is now that the very thing that just saved your life is getting in the way of you going where you want to go in life. And this is the case with the eating uh, disorder or the eating difficulties, that there was a time, and it's important to, to really understand this, that it serves a function and a very important function, and that there was a time when you definitely would have drowned in some very strong emotional currents had you not had that to grab onto. So, but... To make it more complicated, there's always somebody on the riverbank yelling, let go of the log, let go of the log. Yes, yeah. Right? Of course, yeah. So it could be your best friend or it could be, you know, your dietitian or it could be, um, you know, the, the top eating sort of expert or the family that loves you. And, and you feel like an absolute idiot because you can't let go of the log. Mm. Well, the way I see it is letting go of that log may not be the very best thing initially because what happens if you say okay 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 i'm coming and you let go of the log start to swim to shore get halfway there and realize oh shoot i don't have the strength to make it that means you don't have the strength and confidence to make it back to the log either and you're really sunk Mm -hmm. so i believe there's a wise part in all of us that will not will not let us let go of anything until we're good and ready so what do you do instead? Well, using this metaphor, you let go of the log and you, you practice floating. And when you start to sink, you grab back on. And then you let go of the log and you try treading water. And when you get tired, you grab back on. And then you let go of the log and you swim around it once, twice, 10 times, 100 times, 200 times, whatever it takes for you to have the strength and confidence you need to make it to shore. Then you let go of the log. Why? Because it serves no function any longer. Mm. And so that's why, you know, the skill sets that, that are necessary for recovery from an eating disorder have to come first, right? Mm. I mean, so that if someone is restricting, 
you know, or, or whatever it is they're doing with food, they need to learn how to tune in and, and find their hunger and satiety signals and respond to those signals. Now, granted, for some people, they ne- may need to start off with a, a, a diet plan from a dietitian to stabilize because there's been so much static on the line and they can't mm-hmm. find those signals. But it, even when you're doing that, the process of tuning in, tuning in, and starting to recognize, and, and some people like numbers, so you can number on a scale of 1 to 10 where you're at, you know, uh, with 1 being famished and 10 being stuffed and 5 being neutral. Just developing um, the capacity to recognize the different hunger states. Mm-hmm. And so that's something that, that anybody can start to do at any point in time. They can, you know, one of the, the approaches that I, and I'm not a dietitian, but um, I, I recommend is that people, you know, take two bites at a time, checking in each time mm-hmm. after two bites. Am I still hungry? Um, if the answer is yes, ask yourself, well, how do I know I'm mm-hmm. still hungry? Mm-hmm. What's the physical sensation that's telling me I'm uh, still hungry? And where in my body is it? Mm-hmm. And keep going two bites at a time until when, when you get the answer to the question, am I still hungry? The answer is no. Well, then mm-hmm. how do I know I'm not hungry? What's the physical sensation? And it is physical. I tell my, my clients, I feel like pizza is not a physical sensation, right? It's, it's got to be in your body. Yes. And so learning this skill is really important. Um, emotional literacy is really important. Being able to identify, accept, and express your feelings, that's really important. And um, assertive communication, uh, that's the one skill set I've never seen anyone recover and I've seen lots and lots of people recover. In 35 years, I've seen, you know, thousands really totally, completely recover. Yes. But nobody's done it without learning how to be assertive. And assertiveness is, is it kind of piggybacks on, you know, identifying, accepting, and expressing your feelings in the sense that you communicate your feelings in the kindest way possible. So in a way that honors your experience, but also the experience of the other person. So there's a whole, there's some skills, you know, and, and that's what, what recovery involves. And unfortunately, it's nobody's fault that we aren't taught these very significant skills. Um, we're just not taught them in our culture. No, we're not. No, not at all. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. In fact, we're taught to not have these skills. We're mm. taught to eat, you know, um, we're taught to uh, be a member of the Clean Plate Club or what about those poor children starving in China yes. or, or or you can't eat that, you know. Um, uh, you got to fit into that, that uh, bathing suit when you go to the beach or, mm-hmm. you know, we're taught to disregard our hunger and satiety signals for a lot of reasons. We're taught to um, uh, disregard our emotions because we don't want to overreact because we're too sensitive, blah, 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 blah. Uh, So, you know, we're taught the opposite of this. So, Anisha, you spoke about something really uh, important just now, and that is that sense of building skills to attune to body signals. Um, Right you know, with the, with the bites of food and inviting people to become connected to how is my body feeling right now? Mm-hmm. Um, and would you say that's one of the more important parts of having a more peaceful relationship with food and the body? 
But yeah, I don't, I don't think you can have it without that mm-hmm. uh, because otherwise you're vulnerable. If you're looking outside of yourself for, you know, knowing when to eat and when to stop eating, I mean, that's just like the same as looking outside yourself uh, to know when to rest and when not to rest or when to go to the bathroom. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's that our, our body is incredibly wise and it's built to give us these signals and the signals are there. We've just been taught to disregard them. Mm-hmm. So yeah, if, if there's a certain level of anxiety that will always be with you if you're going, oh, okay, is this too much or is this too little or is this, you know, that's dreadful to live your life that way without just, you know, when you could just tune in and you know, you go, oh, okay, that's, that's enough or, oh, I mean, and just really learning how to work with food so that I know, for example, when I get up in the morning, um, if I am going to um, go out to have a really nice lunch with a friend, I know not to eat a giant breakfast because I know what, you know, how long it takes certain foods to digest in my system just simply by paying attention. It's not from reading a book, but just by noticing, you know, um, if I, if I have some fruit, yeah, then probably I'll be hungry at about the time that that food gets delivered to my table around lunchtime. Mm-hmm. Whereas if I had a huge, you know, breakfast with eggs and potatoes, I might not be so hungry at lunch. So, you know, just learning how to, how to work with that uh, and, and knowing how your body works. And not only that, here's the deal. Um, it always changes. Mm. So, so throughout our lives, I mean, you know, at my age, you know, my metabolism is very different from what it was like when I was 20. Um, you know, so, so there's all these factors, um, that need to be taken into account in terms of, you know, your food consumption. It's like, oh, right. So what's your physical level of activity? Where are you at in your menstrual cycle? You know, um, how much rest have you had? Um, you know, how much stress is in your life you know there's just a lot a lot of different factors that come into play and so if you learn how to read the printout um and the printout being the the physical sensation you don't have to calculate everything you don't have to busy your mind you know counting this and counting that and you know you can relax into it because you know your body will it's it's almost like you know you'll get the knock on the door (laughs) i love that to do (laughs) i call it whispers so at first well there we go the little little whispers yes then the volume rises so if you're you're at a point where your your body or those you know those innate signals are Mm -hmm. yelling at you yeah Yeah. pretty clear signal yeah yeah, yeah, and and the thing is, if you if you disregard them and they keep yelling, it gets very stressful. It does. It does absolutely. Mm-hmm. So you're talking about something that I absolutely adore, and that is honoring your body as it is yeah. now. Yeah, yeah, and 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 honoring it as it is now. And knowing that it will change. Yes. You see, we have this ridiculous idea in our culture that our body size is supposed to stay the same forever. Yeah. As, uh, and, and the same shape. And the same, it's like, no, it's, mm. it's designed to change. And um, this is especially difficult for women uh, entering menopause. They start, they start freaking out because we're not told. We're not told um, uh, 
about what happens and, and, and girls aren't told that before they, they start their menstrual cycle, they need to put on a significant amount of weight because um, the, the body needs an amount, a certain amount of fat to jumpstart the progesterone that's going to start your menstrual cycle. Nobody tells you that. Yeah. And, and nobody tells you that, well, the reason why women have, have bigger thighs and butts uh, is, that, is that if we decide to have a baby and, and, and carry a baby and, and breastfeed that baby, the body needs to f- store the fat for, for the milk someplace. And most everything else is taken up at that point. So, you know, there's, that there's, um, there's genius in, in our bodies. And huh, I remember even just as a, as a young mother breastfeeding, and I had this, this thought, and I just laughed to myself because I couldn't believe that I was having this thought that, Oh my gosh, these aren't just ornaments. <laughs> <laughs> these two you know? things on the front of my body. Yeah. yeah. But, but you see, it's so, I was oblivious to it because just of the, the nature of the culture doesn't tell mm. us and doesn't tell us we women, when we enter menopause, we get what's called a menopot. It's, and, and anyone who's been there knows it's just this, it's this little uh, bit of fat in your, in your belly, your lower belly. And research now um, tells us that the reason we get that is that that's where the um, estrogen is created that your ovaries aren't producing any longer. Yeah. See, there's so much that we're not taught. And so that makes us vulnerable to the nonsense of the culture that says that we're supposed to have thighs that don't touch and mm-hmm. a belly that doesn't, you know, protrude in any way. And, and, you know, and then it goes on. We're not even supposed to have wrinkles and, you know, so on yeah. and so forth. Um, but, but, if you don't understand that, that the, the genius and the wisdom of the body, um, life is pretty rough being in a body that you don't understand. Absolutely. And that you feel so disconnected from or rejecting. Exactly. Mm. exactly. And that's partly, you know, um, when I use the, the log metaphor, it is to take away some of the shame. It is to, you know, help people understand, okay, you're doing what you're doing for a reason and, and maybe even a good reason. So it's important to find out what that reason is mm-hmm. so that you can do something different. And, and, and then it also introduces the idea of the skill set that one needs to develop in order to completely recover. I think people get very frustrated with themselves, don't they? When they say, I do everything else so well in life. Why can't I just do this so well? I always looking for an answer. Mm. Yeah. And that's because they don't see the patterns. Mm -hmm. They don't don't see the patterns that are pervasive. You may be doing things um, uh, really well in your life, but are you continually putting yourself on restriction? No, you can't have any fun. You got to, you got to finish everything that's on the list. Mm -hmm. You got to, you know, got to accomplish that. It's like, Oh, okay. I see. You know, you can start to, when you start to look at it, you can start to see that. Um, what do you consider doing well? Uh, in our culture, we value uh, accomplishments and letters after our name and, and, and mm-hmm. you know, um, big bank accounts and, you know, cars. And, and it's like, well, yeah, but what about relationships with, mm-hmm. with others, with yourself, mm-hmm. with your emotions, you know, with your, you know, it's like, where are you at with that? And, and so then you can start to see that, oh, okay. So it isn't like everything is just hunky dory in, in, in the rest of my life. And there's this one little problem yes. with, 
food. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the thing is, it's it, it, the, the, the difficulty, the struggle will point you towards where you need to go. Once you start mm-hmm. to see the wisdom in it, there's a, there's a Zen saying, don't look at the finger pointing to the moon. Look at the moon. You see, you know, the finger is showing you, so the, eat, the struggle with eating is showing you um, that there's, there's meaning um, that, that is trying to get your attention. Yeah. So um, I, I think that's probably the most, if I do anything with somebody, that's the most important thing I, I try to get across is that the meaning isn't what you thought. It's not that there's something wrong with you. It's like, why am I hungry again? Mm. Bodies, bodies get mm. hungry. You know, that doesn't mean there's something wrong with you. Bodies get hungry. It's like, oh, I have to make my bed again. It's like, well, yeah, <laughs> you know, this is, uh, but, but people don't stop to realize that. Yeah, you will get hungry again. And it doesn't mean there's something wrong with you. So now you're making this, What's occurring to me as you're talking is that if we if we're looking at recovery through the same lens as what mm-hmm. kind of assisted us to get into the pickle in the first place, mm-hmm. in other words, the cultural lens of mm-hmm. if I fix my body, I will fix my life, or if yeah. I fix my body, I will fix this disorder, we're really right. going to be going around in a circle. Exactly. It's like a dog chasing its tail, mm-hmm. which is why it gets so frustrating and, and, and why we have the weight cycling and, you know, the yo-yo dieting that, that we see so, so much of is that because that's this, you have to, Einstein said this, he said to, you know, to solve a problem, you have to um, uh, use a different level of consciousness yes you know not then the one that created it in the first place mm-hmm. so that's why you know shifting your perception is really important mm-hmm. so as dietitians, what mm-hmm. are some of the more what are the some of the more important um skills you think that we have the capacity to to build well I, I know lots of dietitians that work with metaphor all the time. Mm-hmm. And, and I think it's totally within realm to, um, to, to look at what those foods might mean in, you know, in addition to, you know, what's going on in terms of physiology. But, um, and in fact, for anyone that might be interested in, in, uh, what I do is I have just a very simple way to get started with that. And that is, um, to to decode, I call it cracking the code of uh, the meaning of some of the foods that people struggle with. So for example, sweet foods usually have to do with not having enough sweetness in your life or feeling like you're not sweet enough. Mm, yeah. Crunchy, salty foods are typically connected to unexpressed anger and frustration. Um, a craving for warm foods, for example, soups and stews, is often connected to a longing for emotional warmth. Um, spicy foods is typically connected to um, excitement, stimulation, and change. And um, chocolate, well, you know, this one from Valentine's Day, right? Sex and mm-hmm. romance. Mm-hmm. So, 
So what can happen, in, and if someone is struggling with these foods and there's no, this is where the hunger and satiety comes in, there's, when there's no physical hunger present and they're wanting to eat these foods, for example, then you can look at the foods to see what they represent in terms of what else might be going on in their lives. Um, so um, if anyone's interested in this, I do have a, um, a handout that they can access at lightofthemooncafe.com forward slash MD, which stands for Mindful Dietitian. Ah, uh, that's so <laughs> and, and so, so you don't have to scribble all this down. You can, you, can, you can get that. But you can start to see, for example, I had a client and she was struggling with um, bulimia. And I, I said to her, I said, you know, if there were one food that you wish you could eat and there would be absolutely no consequences for it, what would that food be? And she said, oh, strawberry, no, vanilla ice cream with strawberries on top. And I said to her, I said, okay, I want you to imagine I've never had vanilla ice cream with strawberries on top. And you're going to tell me what's so fantastic about it. And she said, well, it's sweet. It's um, refreshing. And it's smooth. So when we took a look at what was going on in her life, her boyfriend was accusing her of not being sweet enough. She had hit a very rough patch with her parents that she was desperately wanting to smooth out. And she was in a dead-end job in need of a refreshing change. Mm -hmm. That one food was carrying a lot of information for her. Sometimes, sometimes the information is in the languaging itself. Mm -hmm. So... Um, uh, I, I had a, a, another client and I was having a Skype session with her, a Zoom, actually a Zoom session with her. And um, she wanted to work with me. She said, look, I've been in recovery from alcohol for 27 years. I've never had um, a drop of liquor in 27 years. But I, I binge and I, and I want to stop that. And I said, okay, what do you binge on? She said, candy. And I said, Oh, she goes, in fact, it's so embarrassing for me. I hide it in little pockets all around my office because I don't want people to know how much I eat. Mm. And I said, well, what kind of candy? And she gave me the name of a candy that I didn't recognize. And I said, well, what kind of candy is that? And she said, it's licorice. <laughs> ah. I said, licorice? Mm. You haven't had any <clears throat> liquor, but you're binging on licorice? Mm. So... Right there, that was a clue for me that the same issues that were driving her struggle with alcohol were still present mm -hmm. and were driving the eating. You see how that goes? It's like yeah. it, it, it's, um, it, it's metaphoric. And the idea is that the food, when you've ruled out, you know, hunger and satiety, it has taken on symbolic form. Yes. And um, it, it can really give you a lot of information sometimes just with the language itself so sometimes people maybe from a different um country they they'll be you know binging on foods they grew up with um because they were homesick yes and, and it's helpful for them to recognize that 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 what they that maybe instead they could pick up the phone mm -hmm. and call someone or write a letter or or, you know, reach out to somebody and talk about it. So, so again, that there's meaning in whatever, whatever the difficulty is. Um, and, and once you can get to that, a couple of things happen. One, and I'm not sure why this happens, but it gets really funny. Um, once it, it's almost like you, you, you crack the code and you go, Oh my gosh, I can see what this means. So I, I had a 
clients and she um, came in and, and, and she said, I, um, you're going to have to help me because I, and for her, it was also candy. She said, I can't stop eating this candy. And I said, what, what candy is it? And she said, it's Skittles. And I said, well, we, can you, no, no, they were jelly bellies. And I said, can you describe them to me? And she said, well, they're, they're sweet and they come in all different kinds of flavors and they're chewy. So they last and last and last. And, and, um, and she said, but I, I could eat them, you know, one at a time, but I eat them all at once, all the different kinds, all the different flavors. And, and I had to keep myself from laughing because what we had been talking about in our previous session was her, uh, you know, her um, frustration with her sexual relationship with her husband. Mm. It was not sweet enough. There was not much variety and it wasn't lasting very long. Okay. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> So that's kind of how it works, you see, when you, when you, oh, here, here was another one. This is a woman, she was in uh, London and I was communicating and she, she had her problem. She goes, well, I, I binge on, on sweets and, and she said, but here's the thing that I'm, I'm kind of embarrassed about uh, uh, is ketchup. I, I put it on everything and I binge on ketchup. And, well, what we had been talking about is she just before that is she had been explaining to me that she was working in a tech firm and 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 with a startup company and you know how how stressed she was with that and and that she had just come uh, she had just come home and and she binged and she binged on ketchup and so I said oh so you're always trying to catch up is it. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> you see what I'm saying? It gets oh, yeah, funny, it. you know, yeah. and, and it's spot on. I mean, sometimes I can't hit the nail on the head and, and, um, but, but maybe the individual can, if you, so I, I often encourage people to play with their food and, and I think dietitians can do this. This is not, you know, heavy duty out of scope, um, uh, psychological process, but it is, you know, you can look and see, you know, what the meaning is. You can find out, well, you know, was this a food from your childhood, you know, and, and that gives you clues as to what, what they might be longing for, what they might be uh, hungry for. I love, I, yeah, I could, I could listen to you give all those examples, honestly, for <laughs> days and days and days and It's just, it's so beautiful. And do you know what, it's, what I'm feeling right now, actually, mm -hmm. if I ask myself, what am I feeling? I'm feeling very, um, I'm not only grateful, but also feeling a sense of courage because what you're essentially yeah. saying to myself and my colleagues, dietitian, mm -hmm. other dietitians mm -hmm. are, it is okay to talk about this and yes. it is okay to have that conversation because at the end of the day, I really think there's nobody really doing this stuff really well, to be honest. Mm -hmm. I think mm -hmm. that um, mm -hmm. psychologists are not really necessarily looking to have these kind of discussions mm -hmm. around food. Mm -hmm. If there's a dietitian involved and then the dietitian's like, oh, this all feels a bit too yeah. Well, yeah. You know. yeah. um, so I think, but it, yeah, it's just mm. human to human. What does the food exactly. mean to you? Exactly. You know, it's I like to pretend that it doesn't have meaning beyond the calories is to mm. be in the eating disorder trap. Yes, they, that, that's the trap. Is they think it's all about the calories or the fat grams, and and of mm. course it's about that. But it's a paradox. It is eating disorders is about food, and it's not about food. 
you know, uh, body image issues are about the body and they're not about the body. Mm-hmm. So, so it's a paradox that, you know, those of us who work in the field, you know, have to participate in. Um, and, and like I said, if, if you don't recognize that, that there is meaning there, then um, you're caught in the same mindset as the person with the eating disorder because they think there's no meaning other than they're stupid or they're broken or they're damaged goods or they're a mess in some way. Mm. Yes. So to, 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 and, you know, to hold that idea that there's more uh, that meets the eye and that, mm. and that it's symbolic in nature. You know, so, um, um, you know, like to realize that food can provide physical nourishment and, and nurture, but it also provides symbolic nurture and comfort. You know, if you think about it, you know, um, the very first time any of us is in distress as an infant, ah! we're first here on the planet (laughs) given either the breast or the bottle so of course the the emotional state and the and the food is going to be connected and um so so when you start to see that you can see then how we create those connections in our minds and sometimes we have to unravel them a little bit because they they become too intertwined and so you know someone might um uh, reach for a particular food when they're feeling lonely. Uh, like, for example, I'll talk to someone about pizza and I'll say, okay, what to, so what is, the, what is, if you could just binge on your favorite pizza, what would it be? And then they'll describe it and they'll, it'll have this. I want it with everything on it. And so then we're able to take a look and see, all right, you know, and, and what else about a pizza? And they'll say, well, it's something you share with other people. It's, it's cut up in pieces that you share. And then you start to see, okay, so where, where might the problem also be is it that you 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 don't have shared experiences with others and maybe you're lonely and isolated and and there's just not enough going on in your life you know you can just start to look in that direction and 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 by the way i don't ever assume that i know what it is i pretty much put out there i'm just i'm just taking guesses i have a hunch Mm -hmm. and 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 the way i see it is that my job is to just try to see if I can help you figure out what this is. And so I'm going to, it's kind of like throwing spaghetti at the wall. Let's see what sticks. So I make all kinds of hunches and your job is to try it on for size and say, Oh yeah, that's spot on or no, that doesn't fit at all. Or gee, I'm not sure. I love Um, that. What a beautiful, humble approach. I love it. Well, we don't, we can't have the answers for somebody else. We, I'm an, I'm an eating sort of expert. I know a lot about eating sort but the person I'm working with is the expert on themselves. That's right. And, and so, you know, we have to approach this as a team. Um, and, and I know what I know, but, and, and I can tell though, when I, like I said, when I hit the, the metaphor, uh, there's a light, a spark that goes on in their eyes and, and often they laugh. That's usually how I can tell. They laugh because it, I think it's enlightening, not in terms of uh, illumination necessarily, but in terms of levity. Mm. It brings light to the situation. Mm. That, and, and the way I see it is anytime we can do that, I mean, you know, trying to recover from an eating disorder is hard, dreadful yes. work. It's like, like crawling over mm. cut glass on your bare knees. I mean, it's hard. So any way that I can bring fun and joy into it, I figure that's part of my job. Yes, it can be very serious mm-hmm. and very um, 
heavy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, know? very heavy. No, that was the one word that came yeah. to mind was heavy. Yes. So when you were yes. talking about lightness and levity, mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. it's being able to um, it's being able to uh, rather than looking inwards, it's an mm-hmm. invitation to look outwards as yeah. well. You know what's going on around yeah. me. You know, yeah. as, you know, rather than getting um, uh, lots of different words caught up. You know, yeah, rather than getting caught yeah, up, exactly. You know what exactly freeing. And and so when you learn to listen carefully to the words they use to describe their foods, they're going to be listening, you know, as, as you say, well, you know, was there a time that you, you liked that food or was there a time when you weren't allowed to have that food? I mean, you know, to really just kind of explore their relationship with, with food rather than, you know, simply the food itself. There's a relationship going on there. And what a beautiful gift to give mm-hmm. that, that simply listening. Right. And that, you know, uh, and that in doing so, you're, you're mm-hmm. offering your client the opportunity to listen to themselves mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. without being fearful Without yeah. being, you know, freaked out by yeah. our own experience, the simply yeah. sitting with right. is just such right. a gift for us. Right. And if we can, right. if we can just do that, right. <laughs> right? And that's that's what we do at the at the Light of the Moon Cafe. That's my online um, course. That that we have a forum, but uh, that people communicate, and I hop on that forum all, all the time and respond to people. But um, on on the forum, there's one rule, and the rule is. Only support, no advice. Nice. Uh, and what happens, and no one's ever broken that rule, by the way. <laughs> We've been running the course for years now. And, and, um, but what happens is that when they listen to the others, they start to see the patterns in themselves. Mm. So it's a really, you know, sometimes struggling with an insert is so isolating. And so having a place to go where you can hear other people describe the food you're struggling with, with words that then you go, oh my gosh, that's what it is for me. I never thought of it in that way. Mm. So, you know, that's, that, that anybody can cultivate that ability to listen. Yeah, but it's with your inner ear more than your outer ear. You're, you're kind of listening yeah. for where there's emphasis, where there's, you know, uh, like shame. You know what shame sounds like when somebody just lowers their voice or 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 gets really excited or so that you listen for those nuances also look for where the energy is. And then so when that woman said liquor, the way she said liquor. And the way she said licorice, it was the same energy behind it. And I went, oh, you know, there it is. Um, So, so, but it's helpful for our clients to learn how to do that too. So with, when you say inner ear and outer ear, I'm Mm -hmm. familiar with it, but I'm not sure other people will be. So what you're saying is outer ear is kind of the obvious, the big, kind of the big stuff. And inner ear is the nuances and, and, would you say, Anita, that really when we're, when we're really truly listening with our inner ear, it mm-hmm. requires us to also remain attuned and present and, oh. and not, you know, going off with the fairies with, oh, you know, what do I say and what do I do? Right. Or with your own program. 
uh, yeah. you know, your own idea of, okay, this is what this person needs. I mean, of course, you, you know, as a dietitian, you know what, what they're going to need physically yeah. in order to recover. The question is, how do you get them to know that? Yeah. You know, and that's the reason why I use metaphor and storytelling because it's a way to come in the back door. Oh, they're yes, ready. I love that. <laughs> they're, they're ready and waiting. They got all the reasons why they can't eat this food and that food and this, 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 this. So, and you know what? They're usually smarter than we are. They usually know oh, yeah. more than we are. You know, we do. And so, so um, that's why I'll say, well, let me, let me tell you a story. Or, you know, what do you think about this idea? And then, and then see what connects for them. And it's quite disarming, you see. Um, so, so to come in the side door or the back door or the window, um, I don't have a problem with that. I know what I'm doing is essentially I am accessing a different part of their brain mm. where their defenses are not so strong. Um, and, and I'm good with that uh, because if that's what it's going to take, I, you know, you, one of the things about the eating disorder and Carolyn Costin says this, and, and I, and I agree with her that, um, we don't ever get rid of anyone's eating disorder. Mm-hmm. What we do is we strengthen the aspect of themselves that will get rid of the eating disorder. Yeah. 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 I really love that. I, Mm-hmm. Um, anybody who's listening who also listened to Carolyn's presentation on EDRD mm-hmm. Pro, mm-hmm. she she mm-hmm. spoke about that mm-hmm. quite a lot mm-hmm. actually in her in her eight keys presentation. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So building building people's wisdom and that ability to mm-hmm. to nurture and take care of themselves mm-hmm. beyond mm-hmm. recovery. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and the other reason why I use metaphors and stories is like when I was telling the log story, you and every single one of your listeners had a different picture in their mind's eye. Mm. So, and it was their picture, not my picture. So it's the same with recovery. It needs to be their recovery because it's their life. And so, you know, um, when you start using metaphor in that way, you're really empowering them to to create uh their own imagery and therefore their own life what do you think it is anita about metaphor and story that really speaks to people well well um it's the way it affects the psyche Mm. so what what carl jung said is that it affects the psyche on multiple levels so there's the mental level okay where where you kind of get the meaning then there's the um imaginative level where you're kind of you know imagining um and then there's also an emotional level so so um there's sometimes there's humor or you know um surprise or there's 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 an emotional level but here's the coolest thing that he says he says it if because it affects all these levels simultaneously it allows you deeper access to the psyche mm. and so um uh and here's the other thing it gets into the body mm. See? So many of our clients are just hanging out in their minds, and mm-hmm. and you know you, you, you want to get them into their into their body. And a metaphor, you know, if you have a little chuckle, your your body's moving, right? Your yes. diaphragm's going up and down, and mm-hmm. and you know, or or even if if it's a surprise and you go, <gasps> it's you know you you're taking the in breath in your body. Mm-hmm. So um, you know sometimes it's a little more subtle, but uh, Marion Woodman says 
that if you try to explain a concept, um, you know, it may not be received, but if you put it in story form, the mind may not hear it, hear it but the body does. Oh, beautiful. It's reverberating in the body, mm. sooner or later it will get into consciousness. Mm. Mm. So inviting... Yeah, in, inviting nourishment, whole body, mm-hmm. whole body, mind nourishment. Exactly, and that's exactly right. The word nourishment, you know, is way more than food. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the research shows us. I mean, for all those people that are that say, "Well, is this evidence based?" Um, what the the research shows us over and over and over again is that the the strongest factor in in um, uh, in the recovery process is the, is the client professional relationship. That's right. And that's evidence-based by the way. So, you know, the, the ways in which you can create a relationship with your client is the most robust predictor of a positive outcome for recovery. Yes. I actually, Anita, next week, this time next week, I'll be at our National Dietitians Conference mm. speaking about um, how to be a mindful dietitian, pretty much. Yes, yes. <laughs> yes. How- yes. wonderful. Yeah, and so I have been uh, diving down into pretty much everything that Dan Siegel has written, mm-hmm, pretty much. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, and neuroscience and... Um, mm-hmm. uh, and, and attunement and those kind of things. Mm-hmm. And, and he speaks repeatedly about the client practitioner relationship yes. and it being the most robust thing. Most. I think most, the most. Yeah. Yes. Hands down. It, it, you know, you can throw in all the alphabet soup, CBT, ABC, mm-hmm. you know, ERT, whatever. And this one hands down. Um, there's, there's lots of studies that show that this is the one, this is the factor yes. more than any of the others. And it's probably um, underestimated how simply our presence can have an impact yes. reg- regardless of your therapeutic modality. Right. Our presence. Right. That's why this is important for dietitians to understand mm-hmm. that, you know, you, it's your relationship mm-hmm. with your client Mm-hmm. that, you know, is most significant, more than what you know or don't know. Yeah. Yeah. So to get into, okay, you know, oh, I don't know this. What do I say about this? How do I do this? If that's not it. Say, saying the, the right or wrong thing isn't as important. If you say the wrong thing, what's really valuable is to say, oh, shoot, you know what? I think I, think I misspoke. I don't think I should have said that. Do you know how valuable that is in a relationship for someone to be vulnerable, to say, oh, oops, I I made a mistake here. Mm -hmm. That enhances the relationship because, you know, so so always being correct and always knowing what's right, that's not as important as the relationship itself. Uh, there's so much for us to learn from that because of course um, as you'll be well aware our training doesn't equip us for this Um, no I know that yeah and and similar to a lot of the clients that we meet you know it's Mm -hmm. very it's very didactic it's very intellectualized um, Mm -hmm. and and our graduates are emerging and Mm -hmm. you know and having very important conversations with 
like right. real live human beings, you know, right. <laughs> um, right. and, and then just feeling paralyzed. Right, right. Yeah. Right, because they don't know where to go. And mm. one of the things with a lot of the dietitians I've worked with is when they have um, clients in the cafe, then they bring in the material and say, okay, this is what came up for me. How, how do I deal with this in terms of nutrition? Mm. And, you know, it's, it's like then you find that middle ground because I think um, dietitians can really, you know, bring a lot to the table in terms of the relationship and the meaning um, that there is around um, eating and food. And what a beautiful metaphor that is. We bring things to the table. Yes, we do. That's right. You just can't help yourself, can you, Anita? <laughs> no, that is, oh gosh, I'm, I'm, I've got so much to think about today and um, I, I'm, as you were talking, I was thinking, right, my reflective practice journal is emerging mm -hmm. and I am going straight there after this. Um, yay. Anita, yay! <laughs> um, Anita, you mentioned before that you have um, a, a handout for people um, yes. Yes. and how people can access that. I just wanted to remind okay. remind our listeners that that's lightofthemooncafe.com forward slash MD. Right. So um, in that handout, Anita mentioned that she was, that she spoke about um, um, different uh, qualities and textures of foods and the way that you might um, like to bring that into your session. Is that right, Anita? Right, right. It's just a simple way to start decoding. Nice. Um, and again, we're all different, but sometimes we don't quite know where to start. Mm -hmm. You know, so that's why I, I came up with these categories about the sweet and the crunchy salty. And, and it, I think for dietitians, it's really helpful to just start thinking about that and listening when, you know, um, your clients describe the foods. And, and, and by the way, I don't let them get away with saying, oh, I don't like that food because it's fattening. I want to know what, you know, what are the, what does it taste like? How do you, how do you eat it? You know, what, what are the textures? You know, you really want the descriptions. Yeah, that's, yeah. It, and it offers us such a depth, you know, we, we, can, we can go deeper, we can go broader. Yeah. yeah. You know, amazing skills for us mm -hmm. in our own lives as well. Goodness. Right. Oh yeah. Oh, well, I, in fact, I highly recommend that. Mm -hmm. um, if you really want to learn how to do this, do it with yourself. Take yeah. a food that you might have a tendency to eat when you're not hungry and write down um, as if you were describing it to an extraterrestrial and um, you know, uh, they've never had it. They don't know. And you're going to tell them what is so fabulous about this food and go ahead and write it down, write it down in as much detail as you can, everything you can think of about the food, even any memories you have around the food. And then after you've written and written everything you can think of about that food, then go back and circle the words that have any kind of charge on them. And it'll be amazing what you see. I highly recommend it. <laughs> that's a beautiful piece of homework. I think that's lovely. And, and that it also, again, trains us to um, have that insight-oriented experience. So that I always say to the dietitians that I'm, that I, you know, come in contact with, you, you should you should never ask your client to do something that you're not willing to do yourself or that you have not I, thought about yourself. I am 
I am such an advocate of that. I hands down. I, I mean, I, I, the school I chose to to go to graduate school, I chose it because they required that all the students, the psychology graduate students, had to be in therapy the entire time. Oh yeah, good. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know what? The way I see it, if you're going to ask somebody to to um, bear their soul to a stranger, you better know what that feels like. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. You know, the insight-oriented mm-hmm. experience, just, mm-hmm. it's so rich. And mm-hmm. it, I really think it enhances our skills as a practitioner and as a human being. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anita, thank you so, so much thank for you. the time that you have given today. I'm just so grateful. Um, your your wisdom and your experience is, is completely invaluable. And uh, for anybody listening, if you have not read Anita's book, Eating in the Light of the Moon, it is Honestly, it's incredible. It was one of the first books that I read as an eating disorder practitioner, and I am not overstating it in saying that it changed my life. It changed my practice. Um, and the, the great gift, Anita, of you and your book is that it has enabled me to then um, take that into my own practice with my own clients. So it's the gift that keeps on giving, in other words. <laughs> Thank you. Well, also, to, to all you dietitians out there, at the Light of the Moon Cafe, if you go to that website and go to the professional page, mm-hmm. um, and, and you can sign up and get a code that you could give to all of your clients, and they can get a 20% discount with that code at the cafe. Oh, my gosh, that's wonderful. really like to encourage people getting professional help. Yeah, and that would be really great, Anita, because if the dietitian had read the book and the client had read the book, mm-hmm. then they kind of get the, mm-hmm. they, they get the language because it, it, yeah. it probably mm-hmm. for some people it would feel different, wouldn't it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and if you sign up, you'll get my my weekly vlog of metaphors. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so fantastic! <laughs> No, I love it because it is really great to see somebody in front of you um, explaining it in, mm-hmm. in you know, real real life, so to speak, not in not on, on in print on on the page. Um, mm-hmm. So that's extremely valuable. Anita, you're so generous. Thank you so so Thank much. You. Um, Thank you. And just a reminder, so lightofthemooncafe.com forward slash MD and also the professional page. And then also Dr. Anita Johnston, which is J-O-H-N-S-T-O-N.com. And that's Anita's other page where you can see uh, where she's speaking and the retreats that she is offering. And actually, before we started recording, Anita and I were... um, we're talking about an mm-hmm. annual professionals retreat that Anita mm-hmm. and Carolyn Coston and Francie White run. And apparently it's a bit wild. So. <laughs> <laughs> but it's very informative. You'll learn things you wouldn't have learned any place else. <laughs> it's, sure. it's informative and wild and probably the perfect combination for any of you dietitians who like mm-hmm. to um, live on the edge a little. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you sign up on the professional list at the cafe, you'll get on the list to be notified for the next retreat. Uh, I tell you what, I'm there, Anita. I will see you there. Great. <laughs> I can't Hawaii? wait. Hawaii? Hawaii, yay. Yep, Do you know, probably. that's, a, that's mm-hmm. a great location for Australians, of course, because... Yes, I know. A, yep. Right across the pond. <laughs> it really, it will, uh, it's just mm-hmm. such a shorter flight. Right. You know. Right. 
not, we, not many short flights out of Australia. Uh, no. <laughs> them. no, there are not. No, there are not. That's for sure. Anita, thank you so much once again. It's just been absolute um, joy. It really has been a joy to mm -hmm. be speaking with you. I look forward to catching up with you sometime during the year, no doubt, at um, okay. an event, hopefully, maybe BEDA at the end of the year. Yeah, I haven't quite looked at my schedule yet to see where I'm going to be, but I would love that. Are you going there? Are you going I to am. be there? I am. I am. New York City. Here I come. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks once again, Anita. My pleasure. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Well, that's our episode of the Mindful Dietitian interview series for today. Thank you so much to our wonderful guest and to you for listening. I really hope you enjoyed it. Just a reminder that you can find me over on the website www.themindfuldietitian.com.au and please join actually quite a large group of wonderful and enthusiastic dietitians on the closed Facebook group, The Mindful Dietitian. The music you hear is called Happiness from Ben Sound, used under the Creative Commons license. Have a great day, everyone. Mm -hmm.